You're listening to That's My Story Period, a compilation of hilarious stories by people who happen to get their period. Hosted by me, Steph Garcia. Hi, my name is Jen, and I got my period at age 11. So my story today takes place at a hospital. Uh, When I was 19 years old, I had a breast reduction surgery. Um, I had huge boobs, and my mom, a school teacher, decided that uh, I was going to be taken off her insurance at some point. I don't know if this was true or just a rumor she had heard in the teacher's lounge, but she wanted me to have this breast reduction surgery before I got taken off of her insurance. So I was 19 years old, and we were traveling around to different doctors in our local area trying to find somebody who could, um, who we liked, who had good bedside manner and that type of thing. And spoiler, there's not good bedside manner in the breast reduction doctor department in 1999. (laughs) They were not doing that then. Uh, I remember, I don't really remember all the people we met, but I remember one guy in particular, they would always take you to their office afterwards, which already sounds bad. Um, But they would talk to you, you know, here's the process, blah, blah, blah. And this was after, of course, they had, like, handled your body. And so I I remember this one guy in particular had a office that was just filled with books, like like a nutty professor filled with books. And it immediately, you walked in and it was like, oh, no, this man cannot be doing anything hygienic to me. Uh, with anesthesia. So it was difficult to find a doctor, but we ultimately did. And um, the guy we went with was head of plastic surgery at wherever, wherever. And he was fine. It was no big deal. He was um, not that nice, but I guess he didn't need to be. He was just who he was. Um, I think his first name was Anthony. I don't even really remember his name, but I do remember that his name was Anthony. And uh, when you have the surgery, they have to draw on you, right? So if you've ever had plastic surgery, you sit down beforehand and they draw all over whatever they're going to do. And, you know, you hear those stories of them like circling this limb or, you know, don't remove this appendix, but uh, breast reduction, same thing. They do, they draw all over you. And so they're handling your boobs and they do like, they do dashes. I don't know if that's the perforated portion or what they do, but they do dashes and lines and dots. And, um, so he drew all over me and it was, that was a weird sort of soothing part of it. And then I had the surgery, which was fine. It was excruciatingly painful. So I don't know why I said it was fine because it was awful. Um, and I remember the night before this was early internet days. It was in 1999, as I mentioned. And I remember the night before I had been up on the internet, like looking at whatever rudimentary website would have been up explaining the details of this particular surgery. And I remember reading, somebody said that it was going to be like two hot irons pressed on your torso. And I couldn't imagine what that meant, but it did feel like that. It did, if you can imagine that, which you can't. Um, It just feels like your body is cut open. Can I say fuck? It feels like your body is fucking cut open. Um, So anyway, I had the surgery and I woke up And I was in a daze in the hospital for, you know, the next 24 hours they keep you in there. It's major surgery. Um, They told me they had removed eight pounds of breast tissue, which is unbelievable to me. Um, 
And I remember in the post-surgery, like, hours, um, everything was really hazy. I was on morphine. I was on a morphine drip that you can administer to yourself. So you press a button, and it, like, lets you give yourself morphine, which is the greatest, best possible thing. It's like a mouse with a cookie lever. Um, And I remember they had to keep changing the... uh, in you know the place where the the drug would go in the IV drip, uh, I don't know why. I guess maybe your vein gets tired. I don't know. I just made that up. Um, but she had to come in in the middle of the night and move the the IV from one vein to another, and they were putting it in my hand for some reason. And I remember this one nurse in particular, and it does feel like it was a dream because I was so drugged up and it was the middle of the night. But she put the IV into my hand and it didn't hit the vein right, but I was too, like, fucked up to know what was going on, and so it took me a while to figure out that the morphine was going into my hand, so my hand itself was, like, ballooning up like a cartoon hand, Um, and she was really bad at putting this IV in, so it had taken her all these tries, and you don't care at that point, like, you're all cut up and drugged up, and but I do remember more than I remember the hand and all the tries that she had to take to get this needle into me. That she said um, that she had also had a breast reduction, and I said, "Oh, that's cool." And she said, "Do you want to see?" And I said, "No." And she showed me her boobs anyway. <laughs> she took. I told this story the other night at a dinner party. I haven't said it out loud in a long time, and the whole room went. <gasps> Which makes me realize maybe I was sexually assaulted by this woman in the middle of the night. But she just, like, she just couldn't wait. She was really proud of her, like, small, petite, sweet little, you know, A-cup bra boobs that she had gotten from the doctor. And she really wanted to show me. So she did. And I remember they looked great. Um And so the whole experience was uh, a unique experience. I did a lot of hallucinating in the hospital. I had friends come to visit me. And I eventually um, got to go home and healed some more at home. And then I was uh, living in New York at the time. So I was home for the summer to have the surgery home in the Midwest. So I went back to New York after the several weeks that it was that I was allowed to go back. And I was still doing... um, you know, the treatments on my body doing different, like, uh, you know, cleaning out my surgery areas, cleaning out the scars and the sutures and replacing the gauze and all that kind of stuff. And I noticed one day that I had this really bad itch in one of the spots that was um, being replaced with gauze. And so I was no longer with my mom. I was in New York by myself, like trying to have school start again. The fall was, was coming. And, um, And so I remember getting a mirror and looking in the mirror and seeing that this wound had opened up along the the scarring, along the like suture area. And then I noticed that more and more of these wounds had opened up. And so I was flipping out, completely panicked. The, The whole surgery area, the entire like spot that he had sewed back up, all the incision line had these wounds basically opening up all over them. And so I called the doctor in a panic, but I was thousands of miles away. And he said to go to a doctor in New York. So I did. And that guy basically was like, there's nothing we can do. I don't know why this is happening. Maybe you have some kind of healing disorder. Maybe he didn't put the... um, 
uh, dis- disposable stitches. Maybe he didn't bury them deeply enough, which is like such a terrible thought. And I remember you could pull on one part of the suture because, um, you know, they dissolve, but it takes a while. And then you could see it moving in another part of my body where uh, in between there was skin and you shouldn't be able to see one thing moving in another area. So it was very, very disturbing. And they basically said they're going to have to heal. The scarring will be terrible. There's nothing we can do. This is all that there is to it. So spoiler, I have to have another surgery because they think that's what will alleviate scarring from the first surgery. So now I'm going back in for the second surgery, which is like, in retrospect, what an insane, dumb thing to do. I went to the same doctor, same everything. I was eating the same foods. I was living the same lifestyle. And I went back to this guy. And of course, the exact same thing happened again. And I didn't have the guts to say to him, um, what are you doing differently? Uh, and I just knew I had this gut sensation like that he's just going to go about this. And he was supposed to be like head of plastic surgery at this place. He was supposed to be like this world renowned doctor. And I think I did finally eke out to him. Like, are you going to do, are you doing a different plan? Like, I don't know. Like, are you, what's the fucking plan here? And I remember he said like, he didn't really have another plan. And I told my mom that, and she was so furious. And of course, we had the surgery, and the exact same thing happened again, the wounds, the whole deal. I'll never forget my mom in his office. You know, they don't, like, really, doctors don't really come out of the back room. They're not in the waiting room that much. But for some reason, that day, he had come into the waiting room to, like, sign something, and she saw him. And she knew that this was happening, and she had kind of let me handle it or whatever. But she saw him, and I remember in the lobby, in front of everyone she was like what the fuck did you do to my daughter it was so crazy and years later I would try to find out if I could sue him I would call a lawyer all this stuff but it was too late there was nothing I could do but it was after the second surgery that I um, had a really bizarre experience in the actual hospital. So uh, I'm healing from the second surgery. We don't yet know that these wounds are going to open back up totally normally. And the second surgery, I've already had this first surgery. I've had friends come bring me flowers and cards. The second surgery is like a second wedding. It's like not as many people show up. I did not get a card. There was no event uh, before, during, or after. And so I'm healing from the surgery. It's sad. It's lonely. No one has called me. Um, I remember I was like having a crush on someone at the time and it was around Thanksgiving. And so he was hanging out with his family. And I remember I kept checking my phone to see if he would call. And so I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And uh, I had to get up and it you know, all these like wires are attached to you and your ass is hanging out. And they, they figured out how to get me into the bathroom. And after one of these like major surgeries, a breast reduction surgery is a really big deal on your body. So it really does feel like you've been cut in half. And the morning after, it's almost impossible to move at all. Uh, it's not a matter of like, oh, could you hand me that? You really can't move. But they let you go to the bathroom for some fucking reason. So I go to the bathroom, and after you have a catheter in, when you have surgery, it can be really hard to start peeing again. So I'm sitting there for a long time. I'm trying to pee. I'm trying to pee. The whole thing is upsetting. I'm on the morphine. I'm all fucked. I'm so messed up. And I start to feel like odd, like I don't know, not right. And I look down, 
and my period has started in the hospital bathroom, my ass hanging open. I'm in a paper gown. And because I have been trying to pee for so long and they think that if I don't pee soon, they might have to put a catheter back in me. My mom and the nurse are standing in the doorway of the bathroom. It's a, it's a company event as I'm peeing and they're watching me. And I have to like look up with blood on the toilet paper and be like, my period started, which in and of itself at age 20 post-surgery is like an embarrassing thing to utter. It's like you're crossing over from being a little kid who doesn't like to say the word period to their mom to just having to be like, look, bitch, I'm fucking bleeding. And I'll never forget that she and the nurse were both like, do you want us to help you? Do you want to see if we can help you? And I'm like, what's the end of that sentence? No, give me a pad. Give me some underwear. And I have to try and move this body that will not budge uh, to put this pad in and try and wipe myself and have this period, which I can't believe my body is like betraying me by doing this. Uh, but it will, your body will have menses whether you want it or not. And so I spent the rest of that surgery, uh, recovering in menstruation and not in any pain because I was taking morphine. So who cares? It was the greatest period of my life. Um, and I was blown away to learn that your body really will uh start bleeding whatever the case might be if it's ready to bleed and that's my story period thank you jen <laughs> thank you oh, man uh two surgeries like fuck that guy crazy right yeah it's like they um there's like you know all those studies about how women in pain are like not believed yes. and all that stuff and then I just think that there's like um, additionally it's it's like oh well it's fine like he doesn't have to deal with that so it's like ah it's fine like exactly he's just on like his calendar of surgeries yeah what yeah. happened after the second time it happened did you go to a different doctor I think I I remember discovering that these wounds were opening up and it was earlier this time it was like not as many weeks had gone by and we called him and told him and that was the deal and I knew the way it worked out is that you just had to heal from it. There wasn't, like, another thing they could go in and do. They uh. couldn't, like, go cut you up more. So I knew it was just like, all right, we just have to heal and wait for it to be over. And, you know, it's sort of like when you're... I don't know, like when you go to Weight Watchers or something and you go and you like get on the scale and you didn't lose weight and you're like, I'm leaving. Like you just are like, <laughs> you don't want to stay for the meeting. You're not trying to find out if like somebody has new information for you. So it was like that. It was just like, there's nothing else I can do. I know I have to heal from this. I know they could do a, what, a third no. surgery? Like, and a few years later, I went to this woman in New York, like years later, um, a, a Manhattan doctor who was like, you know, a, a plastic surgery, like, guru lady. Mm -hmm. And it was just a gynecological thing, but she was do giving me a breast exam, and she was like, what happened to you? And I was like, oh, God. No. And she was like, you're so young. This is not supposed to be the case. And I don't have – it's the scarring is really not that bad from it, but you could definitely tell that, like – this is not the normal human body as God delivered it to me. So, and she said, like, we could fix this, we could this and that. And I was, like, in a place in life where I wasn't really dealing with that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I don't think I would ever really 
go get it fixed. Yeah, I would. I mean, I obviously like you. You and your body are your you and your body. But I feel like right. me after after two surgeries and all that bullshit, I'd be like, nope, this is me now. Yeah, that's it. Like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, take it or leave it. But take this is it me. or leave it. <laughs> um, and it's so interesting too because. Uh, also in my brain, because of like the gynecologist and everything, you, you link your breasts with your vagina. Yes. Like, you link those two things together. So then when you have this surgery and your vagina's like, your uterus is like, fuck you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, enjoy healing while I just bleed. That's right. Psych, um, bitch. Yeah. yeah. That was so ridiculous. It was just like such a, you know, we've all had those. And that's what I love about your podcast is those female moments where you're just like, in it and you just like look up from the toilet basically <laughs> like what is happening yeah. and I think I think about this a lot I feel like that's resolve that women get from that moment like mm-hmm. of being like oh like a turkey is on fire in the other room and I'm like pissing blood mm-hmm. okay What's what do I deal with right, right now? You know, like men don't have to do that. No, it's, it's it's so interesting. And like, I mean, just think of like how people talk about it being like a quote unquote curse. Right. You're right. like, you're cursed to this. Deal with this for the rest of your life. Yes. And, um, but it does like, in a way, make you, yeah, like, I guess prioritize and just kind of be like, all right, oh, we're just going to have to deal with this. And Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Did you... I guess it was just pads then, right, that you had to have in the hospital? It was just pads, yeah. I don't think I ended up using a tampon. I don't think I would have been able to get it in. But, you know, it's like I don't remember. I must have blocked it out because I definitely didn't let anyone else, like, help me with it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you don't – you want to get in there. You want to be able to, like, do a nice wipe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And I couldn't move. Yeah. Yeah, it was very – it was very unpleasant. But you're – Post-surgery, like, you know, you know how it is. Like, mm-hmm. after you have a baby, it's that same energy where you're just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, but they don't give you a morphine drip after that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that morphine drip will uh, will really get you through a few dark moments, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I love the, the imagery of the second wedding, too, of like, oh, now no one's coming. Oh, I see. No, something is coming. It's just not the first <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Something will sit with me for the rest That's of this right. recovery. My body was like, oh, your friends didn't come. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me hang out. Uh, yeah. It's so crazy, though, too. It's also, like, aside from having to have that resolve of, like, something is happening in the next room and you have to deal with your body right now. And we've all been at, like, Target and you period starts or you like have the worst cramps that you could possibly imagine and someone's like blue or green and you're like I'm gonna die (laughs) and you have to like stand there and deal with it but I also feel like that thing of like oh this thing is coming whether you have a good day or not like whether you just had surgery or not and of course there's the flip side where you want it to come and it doesn't or where your body is not working in the way where it's coming when it needs to but you know that thing I feel like that's so humbling and also um structure oriented for women where it's like Oh, you had surgery? Okay. It's sweet that you think it's a big deal, Uh that you think you have a special day. No, it's clockwork. We will be here, rain or shine. Mm -hmm. Do you know um, Kelly Oxford, that comedian on Twitter? She writes books and stuff. She's a... 
I don't think she doesn't do stand up, but she's a writer. She's a very funny comedian. And she has three kids. She happened to have three kids really young. And so they're all older now. And she's like maybe our age or a little bit older, but she's got like a 17 year old and a boy and then a young girl. And the young girl, uh, she had some tweet where the daughter said, um, Mom, do women get periods on Saturdays? Oh, and the no. mom was like, Oh, yeah. And. And she whispered under her, the little girl whispered under her breath, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which is like, uh, it's exactly how it feels. It's yeah. just like, on fucking Saturday, on Christmas Day? You know? Uh, yep. All year long. <laughs> and whenever you don't want it, that's, that's right. when you have to deal with it. And it's like, and it, we've had stories too where it's like the, the most stressful moment and you're like, you know, nervous or you're like really intense. Yes. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, and I have to deal with this? Why? Why now? You had to come right now. <laughs> it's um, amazing. And your body just doesn't care. It yeah, doesn't care. It sure fucking doesn't. Isn't uh, that the truth? Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, right, like, then it's, like, it's also the idea of, like, oh, well, this is how my body works, so, okay, like. Right, like, right, right, it's, right. It's, it's good and bad all uh, <laughs> one. Yes. Uh, well, that was great. Um so your menstruation product of choice. Yes. Oh, so we're not saying feminine No, it's product. a, yeah, the menstruation. it's not feminine. Yeah, it's a menstruation product. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Menstru- my menstruation product of choice, I just started in the last year using the Diva Cup. Okay. Which yeah. has been a fun party. <laughs> <laughs> I hear there's a learning curve. There's a learning curve. I've caused some incidents. Uh, I've spilled um, on, not just in the sink, but on the floor. Um, and that's a real mess. That'll be a real... You'll be sopping that up for a yeah. while. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like a murder scene. Yes. But it's, <laughs> it does make me feel like, you know what? This is what we're dealing with. I don't know. It's like less shameful to me, the Diva Cup almost. Like, I don't... Like, it's almost like, oh, yeah, this is like coming out of me. I'm going to... I got to do something with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The pad, the collection of the pad makes it feel like we're trying to avoid it almost. Okay. So the Diva Cup, I didn't feel bad when I spilled it. I was like, well, I was holding a cup of liquid. That's going to spill at some point, you know? I think if I dropped a pad, I would feel worse. But who knows? Yeah, but I like that that idea of it. And, of course, like, it's just uh, better overall with environment. And, yes. Um, even, like, now the studies coming out with, like, even organic tampons, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Or just not good? Yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Uh, so that... Yeah, thank you for from the environment. Yes, thank you from the environment. <laughs> um, and then if you have any words of advice that you would like to impart or if anything like you wish someone had like told you. Interesting. Do I have advice? I wonder. I guess, I mean, this is like not gonna, no one would take this advice, but like to, you can talk to each other about it. I feel like we never talk to each other about it. Mm-hmm. I had one best friend when we were kids. We talked to each other about it, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't talk to women about this at all, ever. And it's 2018, we're fucking feminists. We're like wh- painting tits on signs, you know? <laughs> but we still, this is just not a discussion. Mm-hmm. Even to say out loud in a group setting, like, oh, I'm having my period, would be an uncomfortable thing. So I think it would be good if we talked more about it. Yeah, and I think too like there's always the joke um in comedy where it's like, oh, women are going to get together and talk about periods and I'm like, what's so bad about that? <laughs> what's so bad? 
And yeah. now we know what everyone's going through. Exactly. And also, like, I wish. Yeah. I wish that's what we were doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're just talking about, like, how stressed out we are. I and know. how, like, how many coffees we, we have, had like, to cancel. We have, like, no time. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's like, let's talk about periods more. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, Thank Jen. you so much. This was great. Yay. I thought I would give you a little drip, get it, drip, about what's up with the UK's luxury tax on menstruation products. The current rate is 5% as compared to the 20% on most products. And in 2015, a petition asking to scrap the tax altogether convinced the government to lobby Brussels to change the EU rules. EU classifies these products as luxury and non-essential, of course. Well... Tesco, that big huggable supermarket, decided in 2017 to just cover the tax itself, basically doing away with that nonsense in-house. In June of 2018, MP Danielle Rowley announced she was on her period after arriving late to the Commons. She added that it had already cost her £25 this week. That's £25 in money, not in weight. She ended with asking, quote, what is the minister doing to address period poverty. Yeah, folks, what about all those menstruating lovelies out there who struggle to afford these things? Ireland, Kenya, Canada, and most recently India now sell these products tax-free. I'm not going to lie, though. While it is a fantastic change, it still leaves many in period poverty. Enough of my drip. Back to some guest period stories. My name is Jana Schmeeding, and I got my period uh, when I was, I don't even know the age, but I was, it was one day, the day before I started sixth grade. I remember because I was uh, making up a dance with my friend um, in my house to the song Crocodile Rock by Elton John. <laughs> um, and uh, like, I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I went into the bathroom and I had started my period and it was the day before school started in sixth grade. Um, and I already had huge boobs by that point. It was terrible. It was a terrible adolescence for me. Um, but this is a story about a time that I was in high school and I visited a friend. I, I was visiting a friend's family. So she was going on a family vacation and she invited me to come. And it was to San Antonio, which is a city I had never been to. Um, but... When I arrived with her and her family, I realized it was the most humid environment I had ever experienced. Extremely muggy. Just like, um, I didn't want to wear any clothes. Like, I, I wanted, like, I just wanted to walk around in a swimming suit. And in fact, I think I did. We went to, like, Six Flags or something, and I wore, like, a bikini and, like, and like some overall shorts or something, which I would never normally wear because I'm I was like a chubby girl, um, but I was so fucking hot every everywhere we went. Um, her family had a pool, uh, so I went with her, her father, and her stepmother, and I remember them having like a, a strange dynamic that I wasn't used to. Of course, every family has a different dynamic. Um, but then I was going to her stepmother's sister's home. So it was like her step aunt's home. 
in San Antonio. So this is a very foreign environment to me, and I was super uncomfortable already. Uh, but I remember one day they were like, let's take a day trip to Corpus Christi, which is a beach on the, um, the Gulf of Mexico, the Gulf Coast. And we were all excited. I was like, yes, I love exploring new beaches. I love beaches. Um, so we drive down, we drive down, and I start to feel my abdomen contracting. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. And I know my periods well enough to know, even at that point. I was like, I think I was a sophomore in high school, freshman or sophomore in high school. I remember being extremely aware that this was going to be a big one. Um and I was in the back seat of this family's rental car, and I was like, shit, I'm not wearing a tampon. I'm not wearing a pad. I'm not wearing anything. Like, I just know, like, something's going down, going on down there, and uh, I got to figure it out. Um, so we stopped at a rest stop, and luckily I had brought some tampons with me. Um, but I got out of at the rest stop, and I saw that I had indeed spotted on the seat of this rental car it wasn't a giant pool or anything it wasn't like a massacre but I had certainly leaked through my clothing and onto their rental car and I was like oh my god like just mortified ran in put in a tampon we get back in the car the drive was probably like four hours um from San Antonio to Corpus Christi perhaps um I could be wrong about that but anyway it felt long <laughs> because by the time I had arrived at the beach, we had arrived at the beach, it was, I had leaked again. It was, it was a very intense period. And I got out of the car and I didn't say anything to anybody. I told my friend and I was like, I am so ashamed. We can't tell your parents. I'm just like mortified. Um, we got to do something. And also as we got out on the beach, I looked around and I saw zero bathrooms. There's no bathrooms on that beach. It's a wide open beach and it, and it's, uh, beautiful. And there's like some trash cans, like very distant from where we were standing. And, uh, there's just nothing but sand and water. Um, and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I had to change my tampon again and I didn't know how to do it. And especially because I didn't want this family to know that I was just like exploding all over their fucking rental car. So I, I get out of the car. It's extremely humid. So already it's just a mess in my pants, a mess on all my skin. It's super hot and sweaty. Um, like the sand at Corpus Christi, the sand on the, the beach uh, on the Gulf of Mexico is extremely fine. It's, it's finer. And I grew up close to the Oregon coast and it's, it's like just the finest sand. It's getting in every crevice of my body. You know, it, it's the kind of sand that like it was on us for the next two, three days. It was just the finest, the finest sand. <sighs> what did I do? What do I do? So um, I essentially uh, like devised this whole like scheme that I was like, I'm just going to play it off like I'm cool. I had to go into the water like I was going swimming, remove my tampon in the ocean, weirdly throw it deep into the water far away from us 
<laughs> and then uh, I had to ask my friend to, like, cover the door with a giant beach towel and pretend that I was changing when, in fact, I was changing and putting a new tampon in. It was mortifying. Um, also on that trip, I remember... Um, my period was so bad that I had to purchase tampons, um, on my own, like with, you know, like around this family. Um, at one point the, the stepmom, um, told us before bed, she was like, uh, somebody is having their period and, um, the toilet is clogged and I had flushed a a tampon down the toilet and it clogged their fucking toilet. <laughs> My period was like dominating the whole weird trip with this family. I didn't know. Uh, sorry, family. I don't know who you are or what, where, where exactly I was, but, um, I may have cost their her parents money by bleeding in the backseat of uh, a rental car, and I also, like, probably cost them money uh, getting a plumber to dig out my disgusting tampon out of the toilet. <laughs> and that's my story, period. Thank you, John. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> the whole thing, um, I always... Uh, I've seen a tampon... Like it, uh, what's swollen, it swollen. That's such a good <laughs> word, uh, and it's just so incredible how like tiny they are. And then once it, and I mean that's the whole point of them, right? Right, like, right. Um, so I kind of love that you had it twice in one trip, like taking because like you know yes. taking out in the ocean and yeah. then throwing it. Yeah, I almost feel like thro throwing a tampon in the ocean is like the most peaceful thing you can do. <laughs> Please elaborate. I don't know. There's something about the idea that like, I mean, well, we know that tampons like have kind of toxic chemicals in them, uh -huh. the way that they're produced. Like they're not always the best. But like if it were an organic tampon, which it wasn't, it was Tampax brand tampon. I know that. That was the family tamp. <laughs> um, the um, I just feel like 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 it it was gross at the time. It felt gross, but it it felt good once I was in the water. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is how it should be. I should just be buoyantly floating in this very salty fucking water and like just bleeding. Let let the blood flow out of me. Like that's how I've always felt about periods. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just want to sit or squat in a place mm -hmm. for a long period of time and just, like, leak. <laughs> it sounds, like, beautiful when it's just yeah. there, right? You're just like, let it flow. Does your friend, like, are you still friends with this person? No. <laughs> but not because of that. Not really, be I think, because I just don't have a lot of friendships from that time in uh -huh. my life. Um, I mean, I don't think... I think she's a wonderful person. I think that was a particularly awkward vacation. Where are you from, uh, like, originally? Oregon. Okay. okay. I'm from a small town in Oregon outside of Portland. Um, yeah, and I grew up 
I, you know, I was very period friendly. I've always been. I have an older sister, so that was, like, a huge part of my period Mm -hmm. story is just knowing. I just knew that it was going to happen. I knew everything about it. Um, So it was, like, super open talking about it. Yeah, pretty open. Um, But definitely stigmatized in the same way that other communities. I mean, I'm also a native and mm-hmm. my family is Lakota native and so there is like different a different type of a different level of stigma or a different type of approach to periods in native communities, but I grew up in a very white way. Mm-hmm. So, like I did, had all the period trauma that all women <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I would say, like, I grew up with the, um, my family was very much like, we're open inside the house, whatever you want to say. Like, don't feel like you have to have secrets, but let's not talk about this outside the house. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and I think in, in many Native communities, like, the period is celebrated, you know? Oh, yeah? It's something, absolutely, it's something that, like, women don't have very many rites of passage, um, in white culture, uh-huh. it, except for, like, marriage and children. And that is considered a rites of passage that I never really, I don't think I'm going to experience, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, like, I, I mourn the possibility of celebrating womanhood, you know? Or, like, I just think we could be dealing with periods so much better you know we could be like yay this is an exciting part of you know your life Mm -hmm. and you're becoming a woman um i know that like in in my culture at least like the native women traditionally um uh you know go away and, and create their own space and have their own space and they menstruate because um tribal communities and bands would travel together and of course women would be like very in sync with each other's periods and so they would often have their own like space to just have their period and um over time through like colonization and you know kind of this like white the white gaze um stigmatized that separation during moon time it would they said they would you know say like you know women are too powerful they can't be in you know it's it was it's almost the white gaze would see it as like get out of here you witches like that (laughs) (laughs) you crazy period ladies but the reality is is that yeah like I think many many traditional cultures like recognize the ability to give birth the ability to have babies as an extremely powerful thing that Mm -hmm. you and like you know the act of menstruation is very tied to water and like water gives us life Mm -hmm. and like that is and and you know water also supports the baby in the womb and like there's just like so much there's this like a different paradigm about menstruating that is so much more like communal and friendly and like spiritual yeah that I didn't really get to experience because you know <laughs> I'm also white <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's it's interesting I didn't even think about the whole um you know periods becoming in sync with each other and how like that can really be a beautiful thing too when you're in a community of all the women experiencing at the same time um i know people talk about it in college and stuff that it happens too, i mean totally like, totally but when you think of it in that kind of idea of like um of just uh, synchronization and, yeah. like, and being together in that moment. That hormones yeah. are that powerful that we can actually our bodies will sync to each other's yeah. periods is 
fucking magical to me. Yeah. It's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, even in college. Even in the mm-hmm. college context. I mean, I mean, as you know, I would always love it when my roommates and I were synced up. You know, it's like a fun thing that you're like, yeah. oh, we're all on the rag together. <laughs> you know, it's like. That's a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, like, we, we, like, throw it away of that thing totally. of, like, we're on the rag. But, like, really, it's powerful. It like, is it powerful. Is, like, I love that, um, that like, vision of it, like, being power- powerful. Like, uh, I've just, this is the first time I've really, like, thought of it in that sense. Which is funny because this is, I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it, it is. It, it is. is. Yeah, it's yeah. super powerful. I mean, it's so powerful that many indigenous communities, like, like separate women from ceremony, you mm-hmm. know, that, like, you know that perhaps that kind of power the power is honored to a degree that mm-hmm. that the the men recognize like mm-hmm. you have this this gift this this wisdom this like magic that like we it will disrupt our ceremony if you're around. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. I love that. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but when I've had, I have period, have had periods that have like, where I have felt very emotionally powerful, uh-huh. you know, like I've had mood swings on my period that have taken me toward close to suicide. You know, I've just been so like, like, I'll wake up the next day and be like, why was I mm-hmm. that insane? Holy shit. Oh, yeah. But it's a moving experience to have a period. Yeah, yeah. It's like embrace it and then, like, you know, let it go kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Um, oh, I love it so much. Um, so what is your menstruation product of choice currently? You know, I don't have one. My menstruation product of choice is birth control. Yeah. <laughs> I have an implant right now, and I've had it for two years. And Which I'm, one do you have? Uh, I can't remember the name of it, honestly. Is but it, it's in my arm. Oh, okay. Um, it's like a tiny little implant in my arm that is supposed to last for three years. And so do you see it? Yeah, you, you can feel it. Oh. You can't see it, but you can you can kind of see it. You can kind of see, like, the little scar where they put it in. She's showing it to me right now, y'all. Um, oh, it's right there. Oh my, well, that I little tiny, tiny bump. Interesting. It's um, very, very small. Uh, yeah, you can't see it at all. You can't see it at all. <laughs> it's, it's, like, under the skin... And uh, she was the my gynecologist was like you might experience like a, sm- a shorter period or spotting or you know it, your period might change and it might go away entirely and I was my when I've taken birth control in the past which I don't love to do but um, my periods were getting pretty extreme mm-hmm. um, it started to get pretty extreme in my thirties um, and I started to get like weird what I thought was uh, poly ovarian cystic ooh acne like syndromes weight gain things that I was like I think I have that but I don't I didn't anyway she was like it, it could go away entirely and it, it infected so I don't have a period I haven't had one for two years mm. it's crazy and I don't love it okay. I like having a period <laughs> but I don't like feeling I'll say this I don't like that I can't take days off for my period because my period gets really bad. Mm-hmm. It feels, I feel like shit. I feel like I want to be alone. I feel like I want to be with other women. I feel like I want to be in bed. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I need that space and time that my people gave their women, but I don't get to take that time. Mm-hmm. So in this paradigm, in this world that I live in, I would rather just not even have it than deal with, like, 
being sick for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Because I get sick. Yeah. And people don't uh, think about it as something that you should take the time no. to be sick for. No. Yeah. That's not how it's viewed at no. all. <laughs> um, do you think you'll re-up it? Because you said Yeah, I'm years, actually, right? I'm, I'm, um, I'm about to, you know leave my job at the end of July, and that means that I have insurance for the next two months, so I'm going to go before I leave my job and get another one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, again. <laughs> if it works for you, and, you know, that's the nice thing, too, um, is if you get it when you still have insurance, then you have three years and you don't exactly. have to, like, worry about birth control. Yeah, and who knows what's on the other side of this unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> fun employment. Yeah, fun employment. <laughs> Um, uh, All right, cool. And then my final question is, do you have any words of advice or things you wish you had been told when you were first experiencing your period for those going through it now? You know, I feel like I passed this advice on because I got it from a Margaret Cho stand-up special that I watched long ago. And the joke that she told was, uh, you know, men always think that I'm going to talk about periods and that, like, all I t- all women comedians talk about is, like, periods and menstruation. She's like, and we do not talk about uh, menstruating uh, considering how often it happens. <laughs> 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 Which is so true. Um, mm-hmm. And I, so, you know, my advice and my, like, my feeling about it is, like, Use the period shit in your comedy. Like, periods are funny and crazy and wild, and they shouldn't be taboo. They happen mm-hmm. every month mm-hmm. for our entire lives. Like, that's insane that we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm all about talking about periods, sharing crazy stories, uh, dispelling the taboo-ness mm-hmm. of menstruating. Um, because, you know, if we can, if we talked about it more, then I bet there would be more than just three different products. For yeah. women, you yeah. know, I think we'd all understand how exactly what to figure out what products work better than. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe we can get that much needed uh, period time off. <laughs> yeah. Society. Wouldn't that be amazing? Could you imagine? I would have loved that. Like as, as a, like a teenager, especially. Like. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, all right, great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. This episode of That's My Story, period, contains stories from Jen Curran of Harvard Sailing Team and the Ruby LA. She's online on Twitter at Jen Curran and on Instagram at Miss Jen Curran. And Janice Schmeeding, host of the Woman of Size podcast, which you can find online at Woman of Size Pod. That's My Story, period, is edited by Veronica Gruba and hosted by Campfire Media. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to get in touch with the show, email periodpodcaststories at gmail.com.